This is the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. It's Friday, October 21st, and it's Week 7 in the National Football League. I'm J.P. Shadrick with the best of the week from Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and all our social channels, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast link at the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, wherever you download your podcasts. We're everywhere. We love feedback, of course, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Let's begin this week with Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Monday, as always. We recapped a Jaguars loss to the Colts this week, though. It was a tough day for the defense. And Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli, and I reacted to some of the reasons why. So it leads to the bigger conversation. How does Matt Ryan drop back 58 times and he have zero sacks? Zero. We got the ball out. You got the ball out quick a lot, too. Okay, it does not matter. You well, have, I, okay, I'm, with not, you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Pat, that, uh, Pete, that's a bad offensive line. If you're not gonna, if you're not going to sack them, you gotta batter them. You gotta beat the hell out of them. And uh, the only real pressures that came were a couple stunts. There was a loop. Uh, Walker got a loop one time yep. inside. You had Hamilton actually got him one time inside. Roy Robertson. Had, there was not a lot from the edges at all. And Josh Allen, not, that's what I said before, Tony. I said. Dennis Kelly and and and, uh, and Smith are not you and Leon. I mean, it's not a good tackle group. And, and Josh Allen had one nice rush on that last drive, early in the drive, where he smoked Matt Ryan. I'm like, okay, get that going. Like you, like do that. Like if because if you, Pete, you know this. If you hit a guy like Matt Ryan like that about ten times, and you know, all of a sudden it gets even quicker. Like in and game one. That's right. Hmm. Yeah, and Tony. You were spot on about – you've been right about him the whole time. I'm going to give you credit on this. Trayvon Walker does not have any moves. He runs no. smack dab. Almost every single rush is right into the teeth of the guy's chest. And that will work in college. Not, even the bad tackles in the NFL can handle that. The bad tackles want you to run into them. Right. They're I hoping mean, for that. At some point, he's got to learn how to use his hands. There's no hand. He has, he has all the tools, Pete. He's got length. He's got speed. He's got power. And he's not using them right now. And he's not a natural pass rusher. And Jeff and I said it before the season. Not that we don't, I don't think he's a good player. And not that I don't think he can develop into a good pass rusher. But he's not a natural pass rusher using his hands. This is not a, a polished guy coming from college who is a natural pass rusher. He's a great athlete. He's a, he's a good football player. He's physical. He's tough. But he's not a pass rusher. And you can't let the Colts sit back there and pass it 58 times and not hit Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, I mean, got, it was, yeah, I, I'm with you. I just, I, I'm, that has to be the most disappointing area of this team this, so far this year is the fact that you thought with Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, you're going to have bookends that gave you dynamic pass rush off the edge it's not even close to that now josh so, allen's played good football don't get me wrong but where are the sack now they get no sacks you got to be able to put the guy on the ground they don't put him on the ground happy hour monday airs 4 to 6 p.m on 1010xl am jaguars.com and the jaguars social media channels twitter facebook and youtube 
Now to the best of press conferences or locker room sound this week, starting with the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, in his normal Wednesday afternoon press conference, coming off a 20 of 22 performance against the Colts. Like you needed a bounce back game? You know, I know you talk about, you know, those things affect you. Stuff like not really. Stuff, no? no, not really. I mean, I feel like obviously the, the, the two weeks prior to that, Philly and Houston weren't my best games, and um, that's just – Every week you gotta you gotta bounce back, no matter you know if you played well or you didn't play well. So that's kind of how I look at it, and um, so that wasn't necessarily the thought process at all. It's just let's go be as good as we can be this week. Let's let let me try to be as good as I can be, just to put us in a position to win. And um, that was the thought process. But you know, that's not really you gotta. You, that's the one thing you gotta keep is your confidence in this league. And um, I think our whole offense has a lot of that right now. And. We just got to get back on track to, to doing what we do well, being efficient, um, and executing. Evans, your next door neighbor there in your lockers, is uh, you get a sense that he's excited about this game going against the, the Giants? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I think he is for sure. You know, I hadn't we hadn't talked a ton about it just because you know yesterday we were off and um, just being back in the building today. I know he's he's excited to play those guys. He's he's a guy really. Honestly, it's been cool to see his preparation, how hard he works. Uh, he's he's one of our hardest workers, you know. After practice, during practice, always getting extra reps, and I'm sure there's a little bit of, a little bit more emotion behind that this week. Obviously, playing his his old team, and he um, should it should be that way every week. But I definitely think that uh, he's excited for this one. We all are. So big opportunity, good team coming in here. You talking about you never want to lose your confidence, but if you go all the way back when you first started playing, did you ever have a point where you did lose confidence in yourself at any point? You know, back to high school, middle school, whatever like that. Ever? I mean, there's been times where it, you know it's, it gets a little shaky, and you really have to work through that. I think there was, you know, honestly, there's times last year where you you start to question some things, and um, you know, you really have to. This game really tests you mentally, obviously physically, but mentally especially. You know, really when you're having not a great year too, as a team, as a player, as an offense, whatever that may be, um, you really just have to keep that confidence and and. I've talked about before, like where do you get your confidence from? Um, it's, it can't just be circumstantial. You know, I'm, I'm playing well, so that's that's why I'm confident. It's it's got to be in something bigger than that. Um, and I really just believe, you know, I'm here for a reason, and I've had all these opportunities for a reason, and you know, I feel really confident in that. And just that's what's that's what's helped me keep pressing forward. Whether it's you know, great game, really bad game, great season, bad season, um, just continuing to be myself and and just trust that and. I think that's kind of helped me weather the storm a little bit because honestly, I haven't been challenged too much as far as my confidence until really getting to the NFL. Things had gone pretty smoothly in my career. I've had some, a little, a few bumps in the road, but um, really last year was was challenging. So I think from that experience, it's helped me a lot. You know, we started, you know, right now we're, we're two and four. I think we're a really good team, um, and we've lost a lot of games that were that close. We're, we're that close to being a five and one, even possibly a six and zero oh team. And just understanding that and. That doesn't really matter to anyone else, but for us, I mean, we have confidence in who we can be, and um, we just got to go make those plays to finish those games. But we we have a lot of confidence, and I I, I guess my point was, going through the year like last year, gives me a great perspective on how we started this season, kind of the ups and the downs. We've had some games where we played great, some games where we haven't played great, and just being able to stay locked in, laser focused on the next week, and realizing we still have 11 more games and all the opportunities in front of us to do what we want to do. Offensive coordinator Press Taylor spoke with the media Thursday and was asked his approach when Doug Peterson decides to give it a go on fourth down. 
Well, I mean, it's it's great knowing you got extra downs sometimes to get a first down. It's it's third and two, and you think, all right, if we just get half here or we try something, there's a good chance we got another down. So you can be aggressive in that mindset um, in terms of scheming things up, designing some plays. Um, but then you just know he's doing whatever it takes to win. He's trying to give us an opportunity to win the game uh, at each situation. So th that's that's fun to be a part of. You talked a little bit about the creativity factor right. of, of the offense because it's, it's, it's so hard in the NFL because, right. you know, you put so many things on tape and, you know, you know that the other side's working 80 hours a week right. to cover all their bases. How hard is it to be creative in the NFL, like with the Agnew reverse, right. little things like that? Well, I mean – it, it, it is tough to be creative because, again, you're taking a risk. And that's something Doug has encouraged through the coaching staff of we need to be risk averse. We're going to push the envelope. We're going to do what we need to do to win the game, create plays that win the game potentially now. The plays and things we come up, usually it comes from somewhere. Very rarely are you inventing a new play. That's a play. We're able to show evidence of we ran that in Philadelphia. Jim Bob had run that in Detroit. A lot of people had run plays like that um, in their past. So there's not a lot new that you're seeing today in football but we're all kind of recycling ideas or sharing them. But you're always trying to look for situations where you have a feel for what the defense is going to be, and this play aligns with that defense. Now, I'd like to tell you it hits all the time the way we hope it does, but it, that's not true. You know, the game is really a game of unscouted looks and, and adjustments within the play even. So it's it's has and it always will be a player's game, and they're able to go out and execute at a high level, and that's what makes you feel good as a coach. So far this year, the offense has had chances in the fourth quarter to go down and have a game-leading drive or a game-winning drive. Uh, Sunday, you got, or last week, you guys were able to do that against the Colts late. It didn't obviously end the way you wanted it to, but can you use that as a building block for those clutch moments with the offense moving forward? Yeah, certainly. Any time those guys answer the bell with a situation like we had where we needed a touchdown, we're down a score. Now, you don't anticipate taking eight, nine, ten minutes off the clock, whatever we did. You know, you still think in the back of your mind we got – probably have two possessions here at least, maybe three. Um, but you end up eating a lot of the clock, and guys just kept pounding away. We kind of felt we were able to run the ball, and they did a good job converting. And then we had some huge third down conversions as well. But I do think that is a confidence builder. Now, at the end of the day, as an offense, we understand we didn't score enough points to win the game. So it comes down to that. Our job is to always score more than the opponent, whatever that means. And so we didn't get that done. So we're disappointed in that aspect. But there's certainly. Um, the feeling that when we need to, we can go down and execute. Now, we haven't done that every single time, but we feel like we're capable of that when we get out of our own way. On the Crown Royal water break this week, right guard Brandon Sheriff explaining how the team bounces back from a third straight loss. Uh, you know, every, it's a new week. You know, I thought we did some really good things offensively last week. Uh, we corrected the details, um, but it's a new week, and that's uh, what's nice about the NFL is a new opportunity. So you flush it and move on. 243 rushing yards for this offense, the sixth best in franchise history. That's yep. a pretty good day at the office, and for an O-line, you guys got to love that. Yeah, absolutely, you know, but, uh, you know, if we were to finish our a couple blocks here and there, uh, we could have gotten a few more yards, which who knows, uh, you know, uh, that could have sprung somebody else, you know, to maybe score a few more points. So you always have to look at it that way, how to improve and uh, just get better. And then on defense, a rough day for cornerback Shaquille Griffin against Indianapolis. And now this week, Griffin is on the injury report with a back injury. Defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell on the confidence level in the Jaguars' high-dollar corner. He's a veteran, and he's been consistent throughout his career. You know, at the corner, you have plays, you have to have a short memory. And he does that. He moves on, and, you know, he's back in here trying to get uh, back healthy and trying to do the things we want him to do. What's your confidence level in Shaq moving forward? Oh, it's still there. It's still there. You know, 
they make plays, we make plays, but we just have to make more plays. And we have a confidence that Shaq can go back out there and do it. Uh, there's no loss of confidence in him. We're just ready to, for him to get another shot. Is it easier for you as a coach to have a veteran corner who doesn't really get his confidence rattled even when you know he has a, a performance in, in the way he did or plays that happen? Really, corners have to have that that fearlessness and you know forget things because if you don't you'll have it in your mind it causes you to play soft and cause you to play the way you're not supposed to play and he's a veteran corner and he understands the game and he's had a bunch of success and we look forward to him doing it again do you ever worry when it's one of the leaders of your defense that goes out there and has the struggle game or is it a little bit easier that way because you know he's one of the guys that kind of leads by example and going to keep working? I think, you know, you can never really put it on one guy because at the same time, like, when he's in coverage, we have 10 other guys that are out there supposed to perform their job. And if they do their job, then maybe that doesn't show up. So it's a team game. And when you have one guy that has the opportunity to make a play, there's 10 other ones that also have the opportunity. Press conferences and select locker room sound available on Jaguars.com. This week on Off the Field with Ashlyn Sullivan, it's Jaguars defensive lineman Arden Key. All right, Arden. So we are here in Jacksonville, and big news a couple weeks ago is that you are now taking reps with Trayvon and Josh Allen at outside linebacker. And I know you, you bounced around a little bit in San Francisco on the D-line. Uh-huh. Is this a good spot for you? You feel comfortable here? Oh, definitely. Um, especially the position. You know, I was in the D-line room at first, and now I'm here outside linebacker. Well, I'm really in both rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, Splitting up time with the outside linebackers and also inside rushing at the D line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great, it's, it's great for me because I like, like you said, at San Fran, I played three nose, the ends. So I played up and down the D line, and the outside linebacker just standing up defensive ends for me. So. And I was just talking to Evan Ingram about this the other day. You signing a one-year deal uh-huh. as a free agent, and Evan was telling me it's like the ultimate bet on yourself. Deal, where you got one year to prove it. Yep. Is that pressure? Is that confidence? No, nah, it's not pressure. It's definitely confidence. Uh, I'm very confident in my game and where I came and the growth from being a rookie to now. And that's why I'm in. It's no pressure to me. We got 17 games to really put out. 17 mm-hmm. plus, because we got playoffs. There you go. Um, <laughs> so we got 17 plus to, actually, to really show you, show the lead, show Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. who Arden Key really is. The full off the field coming soon on Jaguars social media. In a moment, the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa, on who in New York expected this kind of a start for Big Blue. Bucky Brooks on the Giants defensive line. And head coach Doug Peterson continuing to teach finishing. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. And check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's free on iTunes or Spotify. This program, of course, every Friday, the Ozone Podcast, the Huddle Up Pod. Give us that five-star rating as always. Now to the best of some of those shows this week, starting with Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks Wednesday. 
Bucky Osher and I had a conversation about the New York Giants defensive line. They've got a couple veteran defensive linemen, Dexter Lawrence, one of those guys. He's got a sack in three straight games now. And, of course, Kayvon Thibodeau had his first career sack last week. There's Lawrence uh, on your screen, of course, um, added to that sack total. Um, but, boy, big big body there in the interior, 342 pounds, six foot four, and uh, that should be quite a battle uh, on the interior of this defensive line. And then, as we mentioned, Kayvon Thibodeau, the uh, first-round pick who – Finally had a sack last week against uh, the Baltimore Ravens, and we'll see. He's gaining some confidence, it feels like. Yeah, he's gaining confidence. But let me talk about Dexter Lawrence first because I'm conflicted because my dad coached Dexter Lawrence in high school. So from ninth grade to 12th grade, my dad was his D-line coach. And so watching Dexter mature into what looks to be a Pro Bowl player has been everything that my dad has always talked about. What has happened is Wink Martindale – has unlocked and unleashed him on the inside. Dexter Lawrence is a 6'4", 320, maybe 340 pound player on the inside with great quickness, great combination of power and length. He is a problem on the inside. And so you have to start dealing with the Giants inside out because you have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. You have Kayvon Thibodeau, who's a problem as a speed rusher. And you have these guys in a scheme that creates one-on-one matchups, favorable one-on-one matchups. So what Wink Martindale is going to do is he's going to look at the Jaguars' protection and he is going to find the quote-unquote fish. Who is the weak link on that offensive line and how can I get my best pass rusher matched up on him in a one-on-one situation so I can up the odds of my guy hitting the quarterback? And the coverage in the back end, they're going to line up and they can play some man. They can do some things because they prefer cover corners over pass rushers, but it starts with the way that they attack the protection. They're going to put a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence by bringing a lot of blitzes and what they call simulated pressures, meaning it's a four-man rush, but it may not be the four on the line of scrimmage. It may be a safety, a linebacker, two D linemen, but it allows you to come from different levels, but you're playing a maximum coverage behind it, seven guys in coverage. And so Trevor Lawrence is going to have to be on his P's and Q's in terms of being able to decipher the coverage quickly, getting the ball out of his hands, but making sure he doesn't see ghosts and throws the ball into an area that is suddenly occupied by a defender dropping from inside out. Yeah, Giants defense has been uh, – they've created big plays at big times this year. That scares you because they seem to have a knack for doing that. And I personally think Bucky's dad can kick rocks this week. I mean, I really don't care about <laughs> I really don't care about uh, Lawrence. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's, uh, sounds like Bucky might be wearing the Giants garb, but I get that. Might have one of those dual license plate this week, you know what I'm talking about? The house but, divided. Yeah. yeah. But that's fine. I mean, we can get him through this week, JP. You okay, that's fine. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks airs Wednesdays at 4 on the Jaguars social media channels and jaguars.com. Moving to a preview of interviews that will air in full on the official Jaguars Podcast Network Saturday, and they'll run again in part Sunday in Countdown to Kickoff on the Jaguars Radio Network. Starting with the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa. I asked him who in New York expected this kind of start from the New York Giants. Nobody. No, there's a lot of people in the building that are surprised. Uh, you know, coming off this horrendous five-year stretch where the Giants and Jets have the had the worst records in the NFL uh, going back to the start of 2017 and four wins last season. And now look at the Giants. They're 5-1. and one. 
They have three double-digit come-from-behind victories, four fourth-quarter comebacks. They're off to their best start since 2009 when Tom Coughlin was head coach. Of course, that year they finished 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, they're doing it in a pretty cool style. Is that sustainable for the long haul? Yeah, it's sustainable for the talent level that they have. So what the players have done is, and, and Brian Dable, the head coach, and, and Carl Banks and I, we do a lot of TV shows and stuff together with Coach. We've gotten to know him pretty well. They know what they have. They know what their roster is. They know that they're two guys that they start at wide receiver probably would not make most other teams, let alone start. But the players have bought into this mindset of make the game ugly, dirty, and muddy. And then see where we are in the fourth quarter. And it's funny because the before the Monday night game at MetLife Stadium, which ironically was the only one that the Giants lost, Dable walks out, team comes out, Carl and I are standing on the sideline getting ready to do our radio hit. And he walks over and he's like, hey, look, I told the guys, we're not pretty. We're not going to be the ones that are picked for the prom. Let's get to the fourth quarter, take them in deep water, and let's see who can sink or swim. And every game has been the same way. They could be one in five but they find a way to win these close games, which the Jaguars, on the other hand, seem to keep finding ways to lose games because they're the best two and four team out there. Charlie Weiss and I said on our Sirius XM NFL radio show when the Jaguars were two and two, if you looked at the division and looked at those first four games, they played the best of any team in the division through those first four games. They could have won in Washington. I mean, they could have won last week. The only game that kind of got outplayed – I, don't, I think Philadelphia, we could all say, right, the Eagles game, the Eagles are a better team. But, you know, the Jaguars are dangerous on Sunday. And then plenty to discuss with pride of the Jaguars running back Fred Taylor this week with a great running back matchup, of course. In the first quarter last week, Jaguars running back Travis Etienne Jr. broke through the left side of the line for a 48-yard run. But he was caught by the safety who had an angle down the sideline. When you're a running back out in the open field like that, and you've got one guy between you right. and the end zone – what would Fred Taylor have done in that scenario in last week's game? You know, JP, I have to be fair in this. Uh, I can I can think of a million things uh, that I think I would have done in that situation. I, I think first and foremost, you you know, a game is so fast; it, it moves at blazing speeds. Just your most of the time, you're just reacting to certain things, and you hope you can get a guy. And we practice one on one tackling drills all the time. So you have to, Coach Spurrier used to tell me in college, and I didn't understand it at the time. It took me three years to figure it out, to be honest with you. He would say, make the guy miss. Freddie, if you want to make the money and make the big runs, you got to make a miss. <laughs> and uh, it took a while, but I started to figure it out. You know, yeah, I used to square guys up. But in that situation, uh, sometimes there's one cut and go. Sometimes there's a stutter step, hesitation. Sometimes it's just a, a simple stiff arm. You know, slowing down and getting back up to speed. Um, <laughs> it's a variety of things can happen. And in my mind now, I go back to 2007 season, first play of the game. Uh, I still feel like it should have been a 94-yard touchdown versus the Colts when we had that big day, Maurice and I in the offensive line in the run game. I didn't score on that play. It ended up being like a 70-something yarder, which I still think it should have been a touchdown. I didn't switch the ball over to my right hand to stiff arm him with my left. Part of me thought Reggie Williams was going to catch the block and I was going to just cruise in the end zone. So 
you know, you, you go back, you look at the tape and you tell yourself, I should have done this. I should have done that. You know, on the sideline while I'm watching the game, I said, oh, ETN should have done this. He should have done that. But at the end of the day, the game is so fast and um, you just don't really have time to think. You got to do. And when it works, you're like, yeah, let's go. And when it doesn't work, you have the, oh, sheesh, next time, you know. Uh, but it's good to see him come into his zone. He says he he feels close. I'm excited for him. And he said he's ready for a breakout. He's getting, he's getting there. He's getting closer to his first career 100-yarder. And I think it's going to happen at some point here soon during the season. Both the Papa and Taylor interviews coming Saturday in full on the official Jaguars podcast network. And finally this week, head coach Doug Peterson discussing getting a full team game from the Jags this week and breaking this three-game losing skid from the Doug Peterson show Thursday night. And welcome in. It's week seven. The Jaguars entertain the New York football giants this Sunday at TIAA Bank Field. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman and Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson and trying to get back on track. Three-game skid here, but coming back home to face the Giants and a good chance to try to get some things right and finish out a game. Yeah, that's the biggest thing right there is finish the game. You know, we've had we've had glimpses of that, you know, with a couple wins that we've had this season, but, but we got to do a better job in the second half. You know, coaches and players, it's everybody included, you know, and and, and putting our number one, putting our players in position, but at the same time, our players have to understand that we've got to go, especially with the lead, in the, you know, late in the fourth quarter, we got to be able to finish these ball games uh, and come out ahead. Yeah, I think the term complementary football is is probably fitting, right? It is. It is. In complementary is is really all three phases, you know, and uh, offense, defense, special teams. But you know, um, go back to the Houston game where the defense played played well. Offense, you know, struggled. You know, but the defense kept us in the game. So there's somewhere somebody needed to make a play where we could overcome and win that game. And then last week, you know, it was kind of the same thing. Offense, you know, offense was kind of moving along and. And, uh, you know, you want the defense to make a play late in the game and, and playing complementary football that way. And those are all things that, that, that I continue to, to show the team and, and teach. And, you know, again, we've still got some young players that, that uh, have to understand that. It's just that sense of urgency, you know, when they're in those moments. The Doug Peterson Show airs at 5 o'clock Thursday on the Jaguars Radio Network and the Jags' social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The New York Giants are 5-1 and one and in second place in the NFC East. The Jacksonville Jaguars 2-4. and four. They're third place in the AFC South. We're on the air in Jacksonville Sunday at 10 o'clock with the Publix Tailgate Show. Then at noon, it's countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network. Kickoff for the Week 7 matchup set for 1 o'clock at TIAA Bank Field. The Giants-Jaguars game is presented by Florida Blue. Florida's Blue Cross and Blue Shield Company has been providing health insurance to residents of Florida for more than 75 years, driven by its mission of helping people and communities achieve better health. Learn more at floridablue.com. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank.